This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey guys, welcome to this special episode. I'm here with Eric Anderson, Editor-in-Chief of Awards Watch. Hey, Eric. Hey there. So the elders have spoken. Major changes announced uh, by the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences about the awards. What's up? It's pretty big news, and I think partially it was a bit expected, but you never know with the Academy because they're often so behind the times. But obviously with COVID-19 and the closure of movie theaters and uh, studios pushing off films to 2021 and just the entire nature of the industry. The Academy decided that the best thing that they could do in order to keep the Oscars going and whatever, make it as normal as possible, would be to allow streaming-only content, but only for next year's Oscars. So mm-hmm. this is a big asterisk. It's It's just for next year. For, for the, the 2020 calendar year and the 2021 Oscars. But it's great. It's it's fantastic because a lot of films had to pull their releases. And some have already decided to go uh, on demand, uh, like the Trolls movie, which now will be eligible for animated feature and anything else. There are indie movies that can and have put their films out for video on demand only, and now they are eligible as well. Is, is it any platform, HBO, Netflix, do they have any caveats? It does. It is for uh, streaming services. HBO wouldn't really count. It would need to be, it would be something like Netflix or Amazon or, or Hulu. And something like HBO is different. So, like, bad education wouldn't get it? No, no, because when that was purchased it was purchased by hbo to be shown exclusively on television there was no theatrical release planned for it and that's a that is one of the caveats of this rule change for the year is that if you are a streaming only film you still needed to have a a theatrical plan in place and this is where a lot of people are, are seeing a, a big gray area, and that is, well, how do you establish evidence of something, you know, that was going to get a the- theatrical release, that, especially so early in the season when so many things don't have release dates or anything like that? Yeah, who's checking that? The Academy Perry Mason is going around there. Like... <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's going to really be that difficult to do because 90% of any film's do intend on a theatrical release. That's that's the entire purpose. There's not a lot of films that have just a direct-to-streaming or direct-to-video release, and those don't submit for the Oscars anyway. All right. Who do you think will be... I mean, someone like Christopher Nolan, he has a huge movie, Tenant. He is all for the theatrical experience. Do you think he will be making a change so that he'll be eligible for this year's Oscars? No, I definitely don't. I think I think that'll be more Warner Brothers' decision even than, than his, but they weirdly have not made any statement or, or date change for 
that film yet, even though it's a July release and other films have already picked up and left the season, including other Warner Brothers films like In the Heights, which is now next summer, mm -hmm. and Wonder Woman. So I think they might be concerned, as any studio should be, that a lot of these films are getting pushed to the fourth quarter of the year, which is already the prestige movies and the Oscar movies. Like Top Gun is now a Christmas movie and it's going to go up against Dune. And what, what do you do with what do you do with Tenant? Where do you put that? You can't put that in December too. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see it pushed to next year. I know Twitter Nolan fans will have an absolute meltdown if that <laughs> but you know, you have you have to think about what the landscape is really realistically going to look like, but nobody knows what the landscape is going to look like. I mean, things were happening before COVID nineteen. I mean, Netflix they they have such incredible Oscar movies in their pipeline as it seems already. They have a Spike Lee movie, they have a David Fincher movie. It seems like they're already ahead of the race here. Completely, but then at the same time, they have like almost a dozen movies great sounding films from really big filmmakers. Are they going to try and cram all of those in? And how are they going to, how is that going to work? It's worrisome, I think. I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, wow, this is going to be an easy path for Netflix. But I don't see it as an easy path at all because we also still don't know what the festival landscape is going to look like. A lot of these movies are dependent on festivals to get them the runway so they can push through the fall and into the winter. And sometimes, you know, these festivals, too, are also where films get picked up. The second half of this year is going to be just manic, absolutely manic. So what are some of the, the concrete titles that you're predicting actually will be part of the coming year's Oscar talk? That's a good question, because I just stopped doing Oscar predictions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did them last month. Even though the you know the COVID was impending and and just getting you know bigger and bigger, so I I changed my predictions to one single piece instead of you know each category because it just it didn't it didn't make sense because at at any moment and in any given day a new film was getting pulled and and pushed to uh, a, a new date or next year or another festival was getting canceled. So every, every time I would, you know, try and write something in the form of a, a prediction format, you know, it was null and void the next day. So I'm going to hold off until probably June, uh, I think at the earliest, honestly. We have to get through the Emmys first and see if that's even happening. But someone like Wes Anderson, do you think that he will take a risk and put it up on VOD or will he wait? I, I, don't, I don't think a film like that would. And again, you know, we're talking about Searchlight is doing that, which is Disney. Disney's made, you know, some very clear choices this year about what and when something is going to go to video on demand. On Onward was out for, you know, a few weeks and then went on demand and then went to Disney+. Plus. And I think part of that was because it was a pretty big financial flop. It wasn't simply just because of the COVID, but it was great cover to do that. But then you have something like Artemis Fowl, which has been this weird, long, delayed, you know, young adult adaptation that's going straight to Disney+. Plus. Now, that would be an interesting question, even though obviously it's not a movie that was going to be a big Oscar contender. It did have an original 
theatrical plan, multiple actually, uh, and then now is going to skip that and go direct to streaming. Under the new Academy rules, that would probably still qualify. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about. So I'm going to say something that may sound polarizing. It seems like a lot of bad movies are going to take <laughs> the opportunity to go straight to VOD for the Oscar contention. You know, I yes, in speaking, in, in, <laughs> in speaking to something like the, the Artemis Fowl thing, yeah. And it's kind of tough because that's always been a stigma uh, the the idea of the straight to video movie has always been a stigma uh, that it's that it's automatically a bad movie. It just feels like for all this talk about all this fighting the past few years about let Netflix be in the Oscars, blah blah yeah. blah. Um, the big directors Nolan, Wes Anderson, I mean, they still want their theatrical release and are probably willing to wait until twenty twenty one to release their movies and take their chances. Yeah, I think they would fight for it. Um, the Wes Anderson French, uh, French Dispatch has already been, you know, pushed. The release date's been pushed, so that might be in in the clear. It's one of the things that they've that they've done in in these rule changes because there's there was more than just that. There was more than just the the allowing the streaming. The the annual board of governors meeting had multiple changes. The sound mixing and sound editing categories are being combined back into a single one. There's changes in the original score category that are probably have been needed for a while. This is the last year of DVD screeners. Everything will be online. Same for screenplays. Everything will be online after that. There's also some stricter rules for campaigning, who can host a campaign and how many times somebody can do a Q&A and who can host a Q&A. Those, those kinds of things and those kinds of events and campaign parties sort of disguised as as other things. That is where I think a lot of the smaller studios and the studios that have been kind of up and coming, like Neon, which just won last year, and like Netflix, have been able to succeed very, very well, is that part of the campaign. What the Academy kind of did was say, yes, we're going to allow streaming content, but we're also going to restrict how you can campaign for your film. And that impacts things like, you know, people like Amazon and and Netflix, which, which have endless amounts of money to put on parties. And, and then also smaller ones like Neon, which did extremely well with events as uh, last season. The timing is just really interesting that they would make these campaign changes this year when the, the, the landscape of what an awards campaign is going to be is going to be so different than what we're used to anyway. So to be able to not fall back on some pretty traditional ways of Managing a campaign and events seems a little bit on purpose. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And without the festivals and everything, it's going to be a very odd year for them. Extremely, extremely. Okay, so the 93rd Academy Awards are scheduled to be held on February 28th. I guess we'll see how it goes, what it will look like, if there'll be anything at all. But um, if it will, it will include these changes. It will. And I, 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 I hope that that date stays. I think it probably will. But we, just, we don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Like, like with everything else, we'll see. Thanks so much again, Eric. Oh, thank you. Always a pleasure. Stay safe. You too. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes. And luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, 
and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. <laughs>